he pulled me into the office and was like, you know, really sorry. This isn't just going to, this isn't going to work out. And I was like, what? I started just like, I was speechless. And then I just started crying because I'm like, what do you mean? (laughs) I thought it was all just more of like, what's that called? Constructive criticism. I didn't think it was like me fighting for my job. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to I've Been Better, the podcast where we turn on the mic for other people to share their stories with the world. I'm your host, Susan Youngstead, and I hope you are having a great start to your week. If you're not having a great start to your week, well, I simply hope you have a safe week and you do what you need to do to take care of yourself. On today's episode, we have a very special friend of ours that we're excited to have her here. Uh, She, funny enough, has changed her. We use this form for I've Been Better, which has some prompts to sort of gather topics and to better know what some of our guests will want to talk about. And uh, our guest has quite a few things that I think she would love to share about her life and her story. And we settled on one today, which I'm very excited to share with you all. Uh, Before we get started, we want to thank everyone for joining us in season four. If you're new here, please be sure to follow us on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram at ivebeenbetter.pod. We've had a great return in season four. Our uh, first episode seem to have a lot of really great feedback. So thank you everyone who's listened to that. And if you haven't caught up on the three seasons prior to this, please do so. We've had some amazing guests and I would really love for their stories to make it far and wide. Now let's get to talking with today's guest, Allie Stone. Welcome, Allie. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. We're happy to have you. Allie is so comfy in our pod loft right now. She told us that it's a vibe, and I am loving that about our pod loft. We try really hard. It's one of my favorite spaces in our home, and I love that people get to come see it. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's like a cat vibe and some succulents, and then you've got all this nice recording equipment, so you're just like, Thank all you. right, well, we're here to chill. Yeah, we're here to chill, and we're going to really vibe. Okay. The audio equipment is all because of Josh, so you can thank him for the audio equipment, right? I'm the one with the plants and the cat vibe. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you brought it together and made this great space. So happy to be here. Yay. We're happy to have you. Let me share a little bit about Allie for our listeners. So Allie is a physician's assistant, also known as a PA for those of us who work in the healthcare field. She works as She works in physical medicine and rehabilitation. She lives here in North Carolina with her husband, Alan, and their rescue greyhound, Avery, who we love. We love Ave. (laughs) She enjoys playing soccer. That's Allie. Allie enjoys playing soccer on an adult women's league and spending time with her friends running around downtown. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm a Raleigh native, so I always like to kind of, I like to say that and just be like, I've. I know this place pretty well. I've never left, so I must like it. And um, yeah, I went to, like, for example, I went to Enloe High School uh, right in Raleigh off New Bern, and then I went to NC State for um, nutrition science for my bachelor's. Go back. Yes. That win yesterday. Oh, my gosh. I have to go go back and watch the highlights because... I missed it. Yeah. Well, so for listeners who are familiar with college football, and if you are an NC State college football fan, you understand our excitement with this win that happened on Saturday. So this episode will be coming out in a week. But yesterday for us was Saturday the 25th. And on the 25th, NC State beat Clemson. Yes. Which is massive, massive, massive. Huge. Yeah. If you're an NC State fan, no one would have anticipated that because we've been... We've been waiting for this to happen, 
I feel like for yeah our all our whole lives. We're called the cardiac pack for a reason. <laughs> yeah. We almost have heart attacks every time we watch football. Yes. Yes. So as Allie was saying, you know, the uh and being a local, I can imagine that's been a part of your life. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my dad went to NC State, so he, uh, my mom went to UNC. So there's always been that, like, rivalry in the household. Um, and then I went to NC State, and my sister's at NC State right now. She's a senior. Um, we have a big age gap uh, of nine years. So it's kind of cool to relive some of that college stuff through her, just yeah. hearing about it. And I know she was at the tailgate yesterday, so I, I've still got to touch base with her and kind of see how crazy that was and like if she rushed the field because apparently everyone rushed the field right of course they're they're letting them do it now which is just shocking to me even during covid that that's happening because when we were in college so you and i were in college around the same time but we had a i think a couple years that we weren't yeah 2013 is when i graduated okay so 2014 for myself so we were only not together for a year and we were not allowed to rush the field oh okay while we were in school i didn't know that that was actually a reason i know we had done it in basketball but i just I felt like uh, the football games, you know, you go really hard in the tailgates and um, we you didn't always make, make it. it to the we didn't always quarter. make it to the end. Right. Yeah. And a lot of times we were losing, unfortunately. Um, so yeah. it wasn't like, you know. Anything exciting to yeah, stay like, for. Mm, I want to go back to the tailgate in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like that sounds more fun. Uh, that is exciting to potentially live that through your sister because being nine years apart, that doesn't seem like that long, particularly for maybe advancements or things that change in regards to college campuses. But a lot has changed at NC State since we were there. Oh, absolutely. And she's going to college pretty much during, you know, uh, since her sophomore year now um, through COVID. And so it's just a totally different experience, a lot of online learning um, and now going back to campus. But, you know, everything's different and wearing masks and all that. So it, it, it sours it a little bit. And I do feel for like all those kids in school and high school and college of just this is like not the same experience I had. So I can't really imagine. um, I can't say what I would have done if I had been a freshman and 2021 would have been the start of my school year. Yeah. Like, I don't know, you know, or 2020, you know, I don't know if I would have gone to school. I don't know if I would have stayed. You know, I don't know what I would have done if I couldn't have had the experience that I had. Yeah, I will say. As much as, you know, we sometimes lack the follow through in sports and like the big wins, we throw the best tailgates, like hands down. We have the state um, NC State Fairgrounds for the tailgating space. And I mean, you just can't beat that because I don't really think UNC or Duke have anything comparable to that. So no, um, it was just such a great experience. And I'm, I'm glad that they're able to get back out there this season and having a huge win like that. They can really take advantage of it and yeah. fully enjoy it and yeah. be like, yeah, go Wolfpack. We're kind of badass. So I would howl into this mic, but y'all don't want to hear that today. We might hurt our ears. <laughs> we get too rowdy. Bit. Yes. So Enlo High School. Yeah. What's their mascot? The Eagles. Eagles. All right. NC State for undergrad. Yes. And then Campbell um, PA program. So Campbell University, for those of you who don't know, is in... Um, Lillington or actually Bowie's Creek, North Carolina. It's about an hour south of Raleigh. Uh, it's pretty rural. Um, but they are the Campbell Camels, the Fighting Camels Go Gaylord. That is the name of their mascot. I love that. I kid you not. I love it. <laughs> hey, I mean, camels spit, so like they can be kind of aggressive. They're, they're scary. Yeah. I don't want to mess with a camel. Yeah. Yeah. 
And it gave me a whole new appreciation for hump day, like Wednesdays, <laughs> because there were um, like within the, the medical school building, which there is a um, doctor of osteopathic medicine um, school in Campbell, which is the first one in North Carolina. And that's kind of a big deal. Um because people don't know as much about Dr. Osteopathic medicine, but they are equivalent to MDs. They they are doctors. They go through the same rigorous training. Um, I just say this because there was recently something um, a comedian said about how DOs were the RC Cola while MDs were the, the Coca-Cola. Oh, and wow. I'll just say that's not true. Um, they are very equivalent. Um, just like physician assistants and nurse practitioners are equal. We are equivalent. We are interchangeable. Uh, we just we just get to our, um, our careers a little differently. Um, nurse practitioners are nurses first and then go get their master's in nursing. It's like LPN, right? Is a master's degree or what's the... No, actually, um, LPN is licensed practical nurse. So it's actually, I don't like to say lower, but it is less um, training and less certifications of registered nursing. Okay. And then your registered nursing, that's a bachelor's degree. You you know, you have to have a bachelor's degree uh, four years. And then um, nurse practitioner is you've already got to be a nurse. You've got to have some experience. And then you apply to a master's program um, and get that. You have to have clinical training, clinical okay. hours. You have to pass a board exam. So it looks, like you said, very similar to physician's very, assistant, very but a similar. different program with potentially different yeah. specialties or something. Yes. Okay. Yes. It makes me think um, a lot about, I've talked about my degree, right, which is an yes, MSW. Yes. So going to become a clinical social worker Yes. Uh-huh. is the... Same equivalent of what used to be LPCs. They are now LM. They're like CHCs. Do not quote me on that. Nobody quote me. There's so many letters. Too many letters. And (laughs) I get it mixed up in my head every time. But we are equivalent. It is just that we went to a different master's program. Right. But we still had to be supervised for Mm -hmm. 3,000 plus hours. We had to be associates for two years. Exactly. It's the same exact requirements, but it just looks very different and we answer to a different board. But at the end of the day, we do the exact same job. Same. Same with physician assistant, nurse practitioner. That's they really have helpful. The, the nursing board, but we have the um well, we have the medical board. Um so so it's, it's I wonder cool if it's though. there because of that. I mean, this idea that if everybody went to be, let's say it was just PAs, that there was no such thing as yeah. nurse practitioners, would there be a board? to navigate all of those people. That's so many people. So is there, I wonder if there's a benefit to having these different degree paths and different boards who can potentially do the same jobs so that they can be managed by different sets of people. Yeah, and I think it's good, like quality control and quality assurance Mm -hmm. of just like different, uh, just like MD and DO, like those became different things for a reason. And also, I mean, nurses have fantastic clinical experience and education, and then they need some kind of pathway if they want to advance Mm -hmm. um, and decide that it's just a totally different role. Yeah. Yeah. It's instead of being a bedside nurse or there's so many different things you can do with a nursing degree. You don't have to just be doing the bedside, the, the really labor intensive job. Right. Um, they can go into education, all that. But uh, nurse practitioner gives you that step, that segue between nursing and doctor where yep. you can work and prescribe and yes. and see your own patients. They can own their own practices. Yes, um, I love that you said that. So at a yeah. practice, that my practice that yeah. I work for, I work for a group practice who's run by a psychiatrist. All of our other med providers are PAs or NPs. Yeah. 
all of them. We don't yep. have other psychiatrists on site. No. It is all PAs and NPs. Once psychiatric you get experience specialty. in medicine, medicine is all about on the job, hands on. Right, you can read training. as many books as you want. No, it's but it's not, not going to be enough. It'll never make you uh, actually be able to practice medicine you can be as book smart as can be but practicing medicine really is an art form yeah um absolutely and that's what they say about being a clinical therapist of any exactly. kind right you can i can teach you the modalities all day long i cannot teach you to care and have empathy and human connection yeah they can't teach you that yeah and it's in a lot of ways way more healing than the science anyone can look up the science and and check triple check and make sure that this is right there's a lot of um checks even within the the computer system we use to like make sure we're ordering the right dose and the right medicine and that there's not a conflicting interaction exactly. between two meds or something exactly you don't have to memorize all that that's already you know in the computer to help us so really being able to like talk to people listen to people that is so important um you will miss a lot if you don't listen to the patient. Oh, yeah. um, Say that one more time. You will, listen, you will miss a lot if you do not listen to the patient. Um, they always know their bodies better than we do. And the, the family members always know the patient very well. Yeah. Collateral so, contacts and information yeah. is helpful. Yeah. You know, I love, Allie, that you're here to talk about this. I know we're going to get into, I, I would love to know, and I hope you want to share what got you wanting to become yeah. a physician's oh, assistant. Absolutely. But There's I, a story. <laughs> I love it. I'm ready for it. And I, I do want to take a moment to pause here to thank all of our healthcare workers and to acknowledge individuals just like Allie and what Allie is referencing here of all these people in our healthcare field that whatever path you went down, you are in healthcare, you deserve the same treatment and the same respect as somebody else in this field. And we're great, very grateful for all of you right now, especially during COVID. I know that I work with a lot of people in healthcare and it is very difficult to stay in healthcare right yeah. now. I mean, you're in healthcare too. <laughs> yes, yeah, you I have, have a such privatized healthcare, a little different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I really appreciate that. Yeah, I, I think it's a really hard time to, yeah, to work in healthcare and we're really, really hoping, you know, that this COVID pandemic, you know, turns a corner and goes in a positive trajectory. Otherwise, the people working in healthcare that are on the front lines, like in the ICUs, those people are just going to have to, they're going to have to do something else because yeah. they're so burnt out. And, and there's no reprieve for them because no. we need them. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, there, there are definitely like some some staff shortages and, yeah. and things like that. So yeah, we could talk about it all day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about, so you went to Campbell. Did you go right after undergrad? I didn't. I took one year off in between um, where I'd actually, by this point when I was graduating um, college, pretty much my junior year, I'd made the decision I was going to pursue physician assistant. Um, before that, I had actually been kind of putting all my eggs in the basket of being a pharmacist. Um, my mom was a pharmacist and... Um, it is a really great job. It's very flexible. Um, she was able to take off like eight years when my sister was born wow. and be a stay-at-home mom and then went back to work. She actually works at the prison system at Central Prison. That's incredible. Um, and she doesn't work in the prison. There's a building next to it. So she's not like <laughs> totally with the prisoners all day, every day. But um, I I do admire her for like what she does. But I worked at a pharmacy in school um, at Rite Aid, <laughs> by, Good old Rite Aid. Uh, you know, uh, Whole Foods. And um, yeah, I was like, this is not for me. I hate this. 
it was it was pretty terrible. Wow. Um, it's just like fast food, like filling orders, <gasps> and like people expect their prescriptions so quickly, and then so it was more dealing with the people. Yeah, yeah, and like insurance, like oh. so people's insurances would reject their Yuck. medicines, not cover, and then they're screaming at you because you're the first person they see and you're like, I have nothing to do with it. Your insurance, you need to call your insurance. Yep. So just like not fun, not fun. Um, there are a lot of other pharmacist jobs that are great. It's not just retail, but I just, it turned me off. And yeah. I also, it made me realize I wanted to be more on the diagnosing side and prescribing side um, because I felt a little bit more of just like, hands off by filling the orders and the the prescriptions where I liked that education aspect. So after NC State, I worked um, as a diabetes care assistant at UNC Ambulatory Care um, Internal Medicine Clinic. Uh, It's an outpatient clinic at UNC, very, very large clinic. um, It's a teaching kind of clinic where they have residents rotate through. All of the doctors there have in some capacity been like teaching at the UNC Medical School. Um, and so this position was designed specifically for people who are pre-medicine, whether that's uh, wanting to be a doctor or wanting to go to PA school, something like that. Um, and it was cool. I would basically like have this list of patients I followed that had diabetes, and it was my job to kind of keep tabs on them, like call so you them. a caseload of yeah, people. Yeah, exactly. I actually sat right next to a social worker. Oh, that's um, awesome. And I learned so much from her, just hearing her. I think she really taught me how to, like, talk to patients mm. um, and listen to patients and and have a little bit of that empathy. Um, yeah, I'm sure you potentially could have learned some, if she was, like you said, a really great social worker. Yeah. Some tips on how to get information out of people. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Um, but I would have to call them and check on their blood sugars. And then I would basically like translate between their, their blood sugars. And I would go talk to a a PA that was at the clinic and say, Hey, this is what their blood sugars are. Like, what do we need to do to help them? And then I'd be able to relay that back to them. So it was cool. It saved them from coming into the office. Yeah. It helped working on, um, you know, in between care and like reinforcement of, following like the, our recommendations yeah. and resources. So it was really and, cool. And like learning how to track their insulin, I can imagine yeah. too, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I learned a lot. It was a great experience. Um, and then I, when I was there, I had, I had been going through the application cycle for the 2014 um, PA school cycle. And I, I did find out I got into Campbell. So. Yay. Yeah. And then the next year I started. So did you um, want to go to Campbell from the start? No, I really wanted to go to um, ECU because they have a great program and it's a state program. And so it's much cheaper. Yeah. So Campbell Um, is private. East Carolina University is public. Yes. And now actually UNC has a PA school that opened, I think, the year after I I went. And I probably would have had a fairly good shot at getting in just because I I knew the medical director because he worked at the clinic I was at. Um, But, you know, things happen for a reason. So, um Campbell's private, though, and, you know, it is just a much steeper price tag. But um, there was a bright side to it. Like, I was able to live with my mom because mm. she lives in a tiny little town called Willow Spring that's in between, like, Fuquay and Anger, Fuquay, Verena. Um, that place is fairly up and coming now. It is. Yeah, they've got Vicious Fishes, an aviator, like, beer. Okay, yeah, yeah. Fuquay has, an, and so... I would be able to, like, take the back roads and get to school in, like, 15 minutes. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So it was, it was good. And my mom would make me dinner. My mom's a great cook. 
Um, she was very supportive. That's and awesome. I was able to, like, also be spending more time with my sister because she was, you know, still living at home. And that was really nice. So, I mean, there's a bright side to it, too. And yeah. I, it was a great program. I mean, the facilities are state-of-the-art. It's, like, a brand-new campus, brand-new facilities. So all of that was great. That's awesome. Yeah. So you go to grad school. You finish in 2016. Yeah. Graduate mm-hmm. as a PA. Mm-hmm. And then what? Well, this is where my I've been better story comes in. It's where we begin. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's super intimidating to uh, go through the application process. Uh, in your first job, you're so eager. You really want to like find this like perfect job. Um, and I actually was thrilled by the, the job that I got. It did take some, I was actually found out about through a recruiter. Um, and she contacted me and was like, Hey, I think this would be great. You should come in for an interview. I spent the day at this hospital meeting the team of who I'd be working with. Um, it was in orthopedic surgery. Uh, Will you tell it, us a little bit about what that is? Yeah. So, um, specifically what, uh, what I was doing was, um, total joint replacements. Okay. So, knee replacements and hip replacements. Yep. And then there's also a trauma service. So, you know, if you get in a horrible car accident or whatever, you need several bones fixed. Um, you would likely be admitted to the service while they're fixing your, your stuff. Okay. Um, and I was so thrilled about it cause it was just like a big, big deal. It's and your it, first like quote unquote yeah. big girl big yeah. person job we're not going to gender the job right but yeah to think about you know many of us young adults the millennial generation can think about that right getting out of school whether it was undergrad whether mm-hmm. it was high school that first big job for sure where that's you're like i've made it exactly yeah. exactly and it's very nerve-wracking to you want to impress exactly exactly yeah um and i you, i'm bad about this too like just having so many high expectations on myself um, and then like starting to plan like forward like a couple months or like my career. And I'm like, wait, I'm not even like in it yet. Like we yeah. just need to hit the pause button. It's like January and you graduate in May and you're yeah. like, okay, by June I'll have this. And yeah. Like, wait a second. I don't even, it's, I don't even know what's happening it's right setting now. setting yourself up for failure a little bit. Right. Um, so, you know, I started in March. It took a while. Like, I took the boards in January okay. 2017. I passed. Yay! We were happy. All of our class actually was the first to pass 100% That's in, in our school. So they were very proud of us. Um, <laughs> what, but, did you get a nice pat on the back? Uh, they just emailed us and said we were, like, the first to do 100% pass rate. And that was, like, really good for their program because it shows that they're able oh, to teach yeah. us and we'll, you know, get... <laughs> they're like, yes, now people will want to come to get us. Get certified yeah. and all that. Um, I think before that there had been, like, 98%. So there was, like, one person that didn't oh. pass, which is fine. They can retake it. They just have to study for another month and then they retake it right. again. But, um, but yeah. Uh, so I got credential or I got certified and then you have to apply for your medical license and that takes a month or two. And then you have to apply for your DEA, which is basically giving the government a ton of money and proving that you're licensed and all this stuff so that you can write narcotic prescriptions. Correct. What is um, it? Dr- drug enforcement agency? agency. Yeah, your okay. DEA like prescriber because they track everything. Yeah, so I got that. It was all set to go. Started um, started the job beginning of March. 
Um, and there's an orientation period, which is great. So like, you know, you go in and they don't expect you to know what you're doing because you're fresh out of school. You've never done this before. It's very overwhelming. You're finally given like the keys to the car and they're like, okay, you can drive, go. Um, you're like running around on fire. Yeah. I'm like, wait, you mean I can sign this prescription and they can go fill it at the pharmacy? Like, holy <laughs> shit. This is like a lot of like just power, uh, power, but also responsibility of like, you wanted everything to be perfect. You don't want to make any mistakes. You don't want to kill it anyone which heaven forbid heaven forbid is very hard to do yeah um you really have to mess up and there's a lot of checks and balances so don't worry about that folks absolutely because if you want (laughs) something ridiculous like you said before that insurance company is going to be like um excuse me mrs stone um um, why did you write this too are you sure you want to do that is that what you meant oh we can't fill this (laughs) (laughs) we we refuse thank you yeah so there are tons of checks and balances um which is great and very important but yeah it was overwhelming it was very, very exciting. I was learning so much every day. I was exhausted when I got home every day. It was like 10 hour shift days. I was getting there at 6 a.m. every day, leaving by like four um, and then driving in like 40 rush hour traffic to get home, which was just a nightmare. Yes. Total nightmare. But it was, it was great until it wasn't. (laughs) I, I was there for four months and just kind of there were some red flags uh, while I was there. The first one being uh, my supervising physician. So every PA or nurse practitioner has a doctor that is over them and kind of oversees what they're doing. And is supposed to, in theory, offer a lot of clinical education and clinical support um, to serve as that checks and balance and also to make sure, you know, you're they're the doctor that went to school for seven years plus residency, all of that, um, they are supposed to help teach us because, you know, we're not doctors. We are uh, kind of uh, advanced practice providers is is the new age term for it. It's been called okay. mid-level provider before, but okay. I think that has like somewhat of a negative connotation. So um, yeah, the, the supervisor is supposed to be supportive. I will say mine was not. Um, he was really into research and he was just not a nice person. Um, he was very, very pretentious, which he's, he's a surgeon. He's brilliant. He's great at what he's doing. Of course he's smarter than I am. I know that. I just want you to like embrace me as your, well, and that's what his role is, right? I mean, you just said like, that's what they're supposed to do. Do you feel like, had he been doing this for a while where in his role he would have to supervise new hires and new PAs and was he just over it or like what was his yes he didn't care about that um and he also had favorites like which was very obvious um of people who were already there um and there were not other uh physician assistants working um in in the group they were all they were all nurse practitioners so they did have that like hospital hospital background mm. and um maybe a little bit more up to speed uh with how the things go on in like the hospital logistically speaking yeah like i didn't even know where like the code cart was like i i yeah. didn't know basic things that like probably a lot of bedside nurses would have already known um so i needed a little bit more coddling with that um, but very eager to learn all of that. And how would you have known, you know, like looking back, like you said, was that something that they prepare PA graduates for that? Hey, when you're seeking jobs, if you have a supervisor like this, don't work there. You know, that's not something you're, you were looking for, right? Yeah. Like to look for those red flags in that supervisor, I can imagine. I wish they had done a little bit more of, this is what life's going to look like when you're actually practicing, 
um, they had been like giving good advice and you know always saying you know you need to read and keep learning on your own, which is totally true. But the social and logistic aspect of it, yeah, they didn't really prepare you for that. And that's just, it's a very, very steep learning curve. That first six months to a year, you're just learning how to be a PA in the real world. Um, And so I did have like good nurse practitioners that were teaching me, but I also just feel like they didn't really understand where I was coming from because their training was so different um, through the nursing programs. And then uh, PAs are also like taught, uh, not top, but we have rotations in surgery. So we're used a lot in surgeries as assistants um, to the surgeon. Uh, it's very, very common. And it's not as common uh, for that to happen for nurse practitioners because it's not in their training usually. But they can be trained on the job and, and learn how mm-hmm. to do that and all that. Um, so that was part of my job. I was going to be on the floor taking care of people. And I was also going to be in the OR, which I was thrilled about. I was really excited. I thought, oh, this is so cool. I'm going to see all this stuff. And it was great. I loved that part of the job. Uh, I wasn't good at it, but <laughs> I was going to get there had I been given, you know, a little bit more time. Um, there were residents and fellows that were all like very eager to teach and and um, and all of that. But yeah, my supervisor, um, just for an example, had told me at one point, I, I had to have like a monthly meeting with him uh, as part of a new physician assistant to just go over a case and go over Uh, what I was learning and a patient case. And at that point one time he said, uh, you know, I don't know what school you went to, but this school was terrible and like, you're stupid. And you know, that school is not a good school. It's not like well-known or well-renowned. He was all about prestige and like, you know, the fact that I didn't have any kind of like prestigious background for education was just not good enough. And, um, he said you were stupid. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, and it was kind of disgusting because my co- co-workers warned me that he was going to be really nasty. Um, Big red flag. Giant red flag. Yep. Yep. Like, That's an alarm. Yeah. They were like, you know, this is just how he is. Just kind of ignore it. Uh, and they were in there with me. <laughs> One of them was in there with me witnessing all of this. Um, and she kind of was just giving me like... A look of like just hang in there it's okay like so and she was internally cringing as well yes yes yeah. and then she came up to me after and was like you know that's just kind of how he is you're why do- are we putting up with this yeah this you're guy. doing fine you're doing fine and so i was like all right it's not a big deal whatever okay i'm fine i'll keep going i'm still in orientation i got like four months of orientation which is a lot um but s- basically um got to the end of my orientation. Um, They extended it because I was doing the OR and the floor, um, whereas the other ones had just been doing the floor. So I was kind of learning two roles. Right. Um, And so where I was lacking was in the floor management because it was like 20 patients having to take care of them. And I was just still not fast. I was not, I was learning and it was, it was overwhelming and, Um, yeah, I just, I felt a lot of insecurities already being a new PA and then, um, getting told I'm stupid and things like that. And then being like, wow, okay, I guess I'm really not doing great. (laughs) But then, Um, yeah, like you said, but they would say all those things to you or he would say those things to you specifically. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And yet you were still there. Yeah. Yeah. And I had a lot of feedback of like people liked me, like 
you know, I got along with others. I worked well. Like I was. So the um, social aspect you had. Yeah. Down, no yeah. Issue. That wasn't like it wasn't a personality thing. Uh, it was just the pure like medical skills and knowledge, which is something that you acquire over time, like especially that first year out practicing as a PA or nurse practitioner. So. Um, so what happened? Got down to the very end of my orientation and um, got pulled into the um, PA. He's a, he's a PA, but he's in charge of like a lot of PAs. He doesn't really clinically the like practice. PA. Yeah. And um, he pulled me into the office and was like, you know, really sorry. You know, this isn't just going to, this isn't going to work out. And I was like, what? I started just like, I was speechless. And then I just started crying. Cause I'm like, <gasps> what do you mean? Well, <laughs> it sounds very blindsiding. Yeah. I felt that way. Um, and then I said that to him and he was like, no, I mean, you saw how they had given me like some other feedback um, about it was more just like related to the clinical stuff, too. And and I thought it was all just more of like, uh, what's that called? Constructive criticism. I didn't think it was like me fighting for my job. Right. <sighs> um, so, yeah, that was like that was a little traumatic. So I was bawling in his office uncontrollably like rightfully so yeah. right you just was it in the morning or the afternoon yeah like, it was in the morning it was like right when I got there so you show up for work that day yeah. thinking uh, all right new day to learn fine. everything's great yeah mm-hmm. and he's like I need you to turn in your pager and he's like you know uh we're letting you go so we're not firing you because you've never technically been a full-on employee um, so anytime that you want to apply again in, you know, in the future to this hospital system, there's not, uh, anything blocking you from doing that. So it was almost like him saying like, I'm doing you a favor by doing that or it sucked. Um, it sounds like he was trying to find a silver lining mm-hmm. in a difficult situation by saying, look, you're not cut out for this job mm-hmm. and we're blindsiding you. But mm-hmm. hey, if you ever want to come back here <laughs> and go through this like again, maybe yeah. <laughs> you can. No big deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was like thinking in my head, you know what? No. <laughs> suck it is what I'm thinking. Yeah. About. Never. I probably had some more nasty things to say in my head, but uh, yeah. Um, and just kind of being in that shock afterwards of like what's happening so what did you do did you turn in all your stuff that morning yeah and I left and went home and um yeah I don't know if Alan so Alan's my husband I didn't even really mention him in the intro but yeah my husband Alan at that time we were living together too we weren't married yet um and I think I messaged him and was just like I need to like talk to you about this and he was very supportive and like very frustrated by the whole situation too um and yeah, I just was really upset for a couple days. Not to say the least, right? Yeah. I mean, you just explained to me that being any sort of medical doctor, I can imagine it's all about learning on the job. Yes. Uh-huh. And you, you had been asked to do two roles. Yeah. Was it unrealistic expectations on their part, you feel, that you should have been able to manage a floor while learning the OR? Like, what do you think was their perspective of what was not working yeah I um I think that they had higher expectations for me than maybe were realistic and um there probably are candidates out there that could do it I was not one of them um 
And I do think there was a little lack of understanding of what um, a, f- a fresh new grad PA looks like clinically and functionally and efficiency wise. Um, so, I mean, I've talked to other PAs about this um, and there's been some validation with that too of just, yeah, it takes at least six months to get up to speed. And then, I mean, it takes five years for you to really feel like you know what you're doing. Uh, and I'm in my fourth year now working. So okay. I, I can speak to that. Like I, I definitely feel more confident every year that I'm working um, with my clinical skills and how I cope with like tough situations yeah. and talk to families and patients and break bad news and things like that. But um, yeah, that first year, every day was a struggle. The simplest things were a struggle. So um, yeah, I can't even imagine. Yeah. How do you, how does it feel being able to say that out loud right now that maybe there would have been a candidate that can do Uh it? I'm just not one of them. Yeah. That took a really long time for me to kind of acknowledge and like cope with, I think, because I do have insecurities and I, I am very hard on myself. I've always been that way, very self-critical. Um, and it was kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy of all those doubts I had in my mind, all those uncertainties are now coming to fruition and being told to me by these like professionals and these doctors and my peers that right. I'm not good enough to be here. Right. Um, so that was very, very devastating. Yeah. When it feeds <sighs> the fire in your head, right? It feeds yeah. that wolf that says, yep. Allie, you don't deserve to be here. Yeah. And while you were working really hard mm-hmm. to prove that thought wrong, mm-hmm. all of a sudden now you get told, hey, you don't work out here. This isn't going to work for us. Yeah. All that does is reinforce that theory. Yes. Yes. So I was pretty down for the next month, which is when I was looking for other jobs. Um, I mean, I was very determined. I was, I kind of was, I was angry. I feel like I went through like five stages of grief. (laughs) I didn't lose a a person. I didn't lose a family member, but I lost like a part of my job and like everything I had been working for. And so definitely was like, a hit to my psyche and my confidence and um, oh absolutely and grief again we've said yeah, it on this podcast yeah. we'll say it out loud to everyone else it does not have to be about a person right you can grieve yeah. the loss of a job you had to grieve it sounds like too an expectation you had set for yourself that you were going to get this first job out of grad school and it was going to work yeah and I was proud of myself. I was like, wow, I can't believe I got this job. Like, this is amazing. As you should have been. <laughs> Even if you got let go at the end of that four-month orientation, you still wowed them enough to get the job. Yeah. And it wasn't, like, totally a waste of time. I mean, that was something I remember saying to the manager that had to break the news to me was that, wow, I just feel so bad about wasting everyone's time. And he was like, no, I mean, don't think of it that way. As he was like, I hope you got something out of it. And I was like, I mean, I did. I did. I definitely learned some life lessons for sure. Um, gave me some perspective. And yeah. and when I did find that next job, which it was just about a month later, um, I was looking over at Niles because he just stretched <laughs> up out of his box. And I was like, what is that out of the corner of my eye? The little like tear all of a sudden. Yeah. Yes, our, um, our cat is in his Christmas box that we leave up for him all year and he just woke up. (laughs) Yeah. He he levitated. Um, 
So yeah, it took me a month to find another job. Um, and I applied to everything, everything on Indeed. I was gung ho. I'm going to apply to every single thing. I'm going to get a job. Um, and it, I was actually pleased with how I was able to get one. I wasn't unemployed for too, too long because we've talked about this before. Um, that crushing amount of student debt hanging over your head and those payments are coming and you're like, I have no income. Yeah, that's so, terrifying as a new, fresh yeah. workforce member. Yeah. And of course, I had those thoughts, too, of like, oh, my gosh, I'm tainted. Like, who's going to want to, like, hire me? They're going to think I'm totally incompetent and they don't know what the story is or, like, how I got here. Um, and you probably wanted to be in control of that story. Yeah, I did. And I I did try to do that. One thing I will say that was that was big of the my previous um, manager was that he was a reference for me for mm. my next job. That lead PA person? Yes, yes. We like him. We do like him. He's a good person. He did come through for me with that, and I really do appreciate it because I feel like he was very honest about the situation and was able to provide perspective that was not on a piece of paper on my resume <laughs> of just a gap of why are you not working for the past month and that kind of thing. Um, so... That was really uh, a big thing that helped me get my job um, of just passing the checkbox of like, yes, there's nothing really red flags here with her. And it we just can, didn't work. Yeah, we can move forward. Yeah. And um, the job I'm in now is the same job I've been in um, from the past four years. And I have um, amazing coworkers amazing um, supervising physicians. We have a really robust practice. Uh, we are a private practice, actually. It's about 30 nurse practitioners and PAs. And uh, we just recently hired some new doctors that are more fresh out of training, some younger, some younger and blood is what the, um, the old docs are saying. And um, <laughs> so now we have nine doctors in our group. So we're very, very big practice. Um, we reach a lot of central and eastern North Carolina. Um, we cover several inpatient rehab facilities and also skilled nursing facilities in the area. So I work with a lot of old people and, um, you know, the population is aging. So we're only going to need more and more people Absolutely. working with the elderly. Um, Absolutely. But I also, well, I mean, currently I'm working more on the the acute, like inpatient side. So seeing people right after they've left the hospital, um, they come over and for various things, they need really, really intensive rehab. Um, and the cool thing about my job too, is I get to see so much. It's not specialized. Like, so physical medicine and rehab, um, is a specialty PMNR is the abbreviation. Um, and it's a really not well-known residency. I did not know what it was when I was in PA school. I'd never heard of it. Um, there's also a joke and there's this really funny video um, circulating that PMNR equals um, plenty of money and relaxation. <laughs> we like that. <laughs> yeah, because it, it's a cool specialty to go into where they get to do procedures um, like office procedures, but also kind of like general medicine. And it's just pretty flexible and it's usually pretty low stress like versus 
orthopedic surgery or trauma surgery or something like that. Like you're not cutting into people. You're not dealing with all of that, that craziness. Um, you're not in the ER, like not knowing what's coming in. You get to see people get better. That is the number one thing I like about my job. Mm. I get to see people actually get better, go from where they were so sick, almost near death. Mm. They've made it to us. They've made it to rehab. And then they get to go home in like, two to three weeks. Sometimes they stay with us a little bit longer, just depending on what they've had happen to them. Um, That's incredible. And currently I work with like a really um, challenging uh, population just because of the nature of their injuries, spinal cord injury patients. Um, so I see all ages, really. I mean, we have a pediatric side too, so I, I do not see kids. Um, but we get, you know, people in their early 20s who have been in horrific car accidents. And then we get elderly people who have had falls or bad accidents who become paralyzed. Oh and it's um, it's a whole change of life. So there's a lot. You literally lot. get to see like the caterpillar to the chrysalis to the butterfly yeah. in many situations. If yes. you've made it to rehab, there's a chance for recovery. Yes. Uh-huh. Which is the most rewarding. And I've heard the doctors say that too. Like that's why they like their jobs is they get to see people get better. Because people don't always get better in medicine depending on what specialty you're in. Um, some people see a lot of people die, unfortunately, and that's very traumatic. And I will say I do not see that many people die. <laughs> so that that's I like wonderful. that about my job. Um, that is so good. Yeah. That is so good. And I will say... Uh, <laughs> Just going back to like when they were hiring me and I was so insecure about all of that, my past, they, at the interview, it was, um, it was at that point we had maybe about 15 to 20 PAs and nurse practitioners. So we were all in a room together having lunch. So it was like me and like 15 people. So I was a little intimidated. Yeah. But when they heard my story, cause they were asking the tough questions, like why didn't it work out at your last job? What was wrong? And when I explained it to them, they were like, oh my gosh, like we will support you here. We will teach you what you need to know. We will take care of you. Do not worry about that. Ugh. We always hire new grads. We are used to that. Um, our it doctors. Sounded like they were more prepared. Yeah. Our doctors are very supportive. Um, and it truly has been that. And I, I feel so fortunate for that. That's um, amazing. Yeah. I bet that was nice to hear <sighs> that little anxiety bug in your brain being like, oh shit. Yeah. There are nice people. I do not have to be this terrified of these jobs anymore. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And um, yeah, speaking of anxiety, I have terrible anxiety. Um, something I've dealt with my entire life. I was like a shy kid. And then um, in high school, I was always like terrified to give presentations and just such a big like fear of judgment from mm -hmm. others um, and a lot of those insecurities. Um, and then when I went to college, that's when I first realized I had full-blown anxiety because I had panic attacks. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what that was before having one of them. Yeah. <laughs> I kid you not. On you. I ran across the NC State campus to the health um, center saying that I was could not breathe. Yeah, like, I'm having a heart attack. I'm dying. And I th unfortunately, they, they did not realize that I was having a panic attack. But later on, I figured it out and was able to get some help for it and Good. get on some medicine and get some therapy. Good. Go therapy. Woo -woo. Another Woo. plug for therapy. Yes. Well, and like you said, having a supportive work environment is really yeah. going to help when you struggle with anxiety. Yes, because you can vent to your coworkers. And you also come to realize when you open up about that, that other people have anxiety. Oh, yeah. Um, 
people that go into medicine are generally not cool as a cucumber. They are type A. They are go, go, go. There's a reason they went into medicine and healthcare. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And... Yeah, so we just open up about that and realize we normalize it a lot, which is cool. We joke about it. We're saying, oh, that's just me being anxious. Like, whatever. It's fine. Um, That's so good, though. I mean, can you envision yourself doing that at the previous job? Like, ever being able to do that? No. No, I felt like I had to put on a show of, like, I'm totally fine. I'm fine. I'm I'm perfect. Everything's great. Yeah. And it was a lot of, like, uh, I don't want to say men, but, yeah, it was male dominated and they're less like open about their emotions and how they're feeling like guys aren't going to be like woe is me like um having period cramps and anxiety and like all this stuff going on so you didn't feel like you could fit in at that yeah other place yeah Yeah. right it it was definitely just a totally different culture yeah and it was very prestigious because it was a learning um training program and very well renowned and so there was this level and air of prestige and we are the best you must be the best yep so not good for me not good for my brain not a good fit yeah and it sounds like looking back 4 years ago mm-hmm. you're able to say that without feeling like that's a problem like it's a bad thing to not be a good fit yeah and i was wanting I was so uh, I reached out to you about coming on here because I kind of wanted to normalize it and like let go of it a little bit and revisit it from my past from a, a new lens because it's been pretty painful to like think back on and I tried to squash it for like a long time um, and where I am now to where I was then is so different and I'm just at a much better place than in my life and where I'm feeling with where I'm going and much more optimistic and feel much more grounded. And so, um, it is nice to revisit it with you all and like be able to kind of let go and let it be where it is. I learned from it. Um, but it's not who I am. It doesn't define me. I love that. Mm -hmm. We're so grateful that you wanted to do that. I'm glad you wanted to do that and share about it. I think it's so important to normalize this idea that you know, if we're going to make it so nuanced and specific of talking about, hey, when you get out of school, we all have these expectations. Majority of the population has this expectation put on them that you have to, one, find your dream job that you're going to be good at the minute you get out of school. Yep. Okay. That's not real. No. Nope. I hope everybody knows that. No. Nope. You should not stay in the job you get out of school right away unless you move up. Like if you go to that company, that's fantastic. But like, it it just doesn't happen very often, right? There's a reason that you still have to learn things and grow and figure it out, right? And then two, to normalize that it's okay to not be the right fit. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a reflection that there's something wrong with you. Exactly. If you're not the right fit. Yeah. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It was a learning process for sure. And some self-reflection and just stepping away and coming back full circle and being like, okay, yeah, this is much better than where I was. <laughs> yeah. Allie, how are you doing today? Speaking of looking back from four years ago to now, how are you today? Well, today I'm a hell of a lot better than I was this time last year um, with COVID. Yeah. And I know I talked about my like struggles with anxiety um, and it ebbs and flows. It's kind of a thing where it's not ever gone. It's something I have to manage and continue to work on and, mm-hmm. and heal from and accept. Um, and right before COVID, I was like, actually, 
not only anxious, but like pretty depressed and from my anxiety and how like unmanaged it was. Um, and I had left, uh, therapy for a while. And, um, so I, I got back on therapy. I got back with a therapist plugged in and that was actually right before COVID. Good on you. I know. I felt so glad that I was like, oh my gosh, I'm glad I took care of this before (laughs) the world blew up. Seriously. Um, Seriously. Because otherwise you'd have a three month wait. Yeah. And I'd be like, I can't wait three months. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to lose my mind. (laughs) I'm going to drive my husband crazy. Literally. Like I will be running around with my greyhound in the yard because I will, I will not be okay. No. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was getting to the point where like every day was like, I had to just like kind of get like get through the day. It was yeah. one day at a time. One like a time. it was a lot to get through. And now I'm much better feeling, feeling so much better. Um, and, um, yeah, I just want to say like, uh, my, again, with my coworkers, like all of us are on an SSRI, like that's normal. Yeah. Um, I will say one in four people take some kind of medication for anxiety or depression. It's a hugely rampant thing going on in America. Look at the world um, and the lives we we lead. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, like why wouldn't it be? Humans were not meant to live in the 21st century the way it is now with the, the overstimulation, um, the go, 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 you know, no vacations, no vacations. You don't, do, you know, work you your don't ass get off, to do burn that. Burn yourself out, get yeah. eight hours of sleep, but also have a social life and Eat work healthy. 60 don't hours be a week. Fat. Like, we could go on. Yeah. I love that you said that. It's something that I think the stigma still exists, Uh right, of taking medication. Yeah. And so you saying one in four people is on some sort of medication for mental health reasons, something psychiatric. Yes. And that's a stigma in medicine, too, because, like, no, the doctor is not supposed to have anything wrong with them. It exists in speaking just, like, nuance from medicine, right? It's a huge thing in therapy, too. Yeah. 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 Which is so silly because we're all people. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not a robot. I don't (sighs) know if you knew that, but I'm not. Yeah. And, you know we should be the ones making this more normal because of what the fields we work in and the, the patients we come across. And I always try to make a point to do that in my practice. Like I don't say, Oh, I have anxiety too, but you can just say it's very common and lots of people are on these types of medications. It can be very helpful. And you can say, I can relate to you. Yes, you know, yes. Maybe I've been where you've been before, or exactly. I know someone who's been where you've been before. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I also will say, so, uh, my dad is a is a psychiatrist, um, and no, Whole he did care fam. We got the pharmacist, the <laughs> psychiatrist, yeah. now the I PA. Mean, yeah, bless my sister's heart. She is in agriculture, <laughs> and I cannot be more happy for her. I'm she was like, like uh, no, thank you. Yeah, she 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 took a different path, and I I fully she think said that's cows amazing. <laughs> yes, plants, crops, all yeah, that's she great. She like works at the farmers market sometimes. Right? Yeah, yep, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah, and. Um, my dad is a psychiatrist, so he uh, is not your typical couch, you know, shrink. Um, he's not going to shrink your head. He works with um, really, really ill people out in the uh, state hospitals. So he's always worked in the state healthcare system um, since he graduated residency. And in a lot of ways, I think he he feels like it's his calling. Yeah, it's his duty to help. Um, the mental, mentally ill. So and he works with like high acuity. Oh yeah, really he works difficult. With people like, off symptoms. the streets. Yeah. people from jail. People that have been, you know, committed crimes that are declared to have mental like health problems. Yeah, he has to go to court to, wow. um, you know, vouch that they have these mental health issues yeah. and. 
Um, he, he likes that part of it. I think he talks to me about that sometimes, but, um, yeah, I feel like I kind of grew up on like some of his, his stories and whether that was good or not, it might not have been great for my anxiety. Um, and he's always been very much like, make sure you don't talk to strangers and there are crazy people out there and make sure that you are running and you have your pepper spray and don't run alone and don't run over there. Thanks dad. So got it. Yeah. A lot of times I would like roll my eyes at him and be like, yeah, whatever. I just, as I've gotten older, I've had more appreciation for what he does and he's still out there just chugging away. Well, and, and that was your introduction <laughs> to normalizing psychi- psychiatry, yeah. right? The act of psychiatric medication or medication to heal the mind. Yeah, and I um and he's very empathetic like to his patients. He was always very very supportive and um and so is my mom too. So That's really nice, right? Thinking <laughs> yeah, about that yeah. f- that whole aspect of sort of that theme of we need support, we need people, yeah. right, that don't shame us and judge us for right. doing something that is so normal. Right. And so like you said for because sure. you could talk to your family about what you were feeling and experiencing because you could talk to your coworkers and they were mm-hmm. like, Oh shit. Yeah. Allie, like that was me two days ago. Yeah. You were like, Oh, so I can be on a medication that helps me. Oh, I can keep going to therapy because yeah. it helps me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, good. Yeah. What else are you doing to take care of yourself? Um, so we got uh, therapy check. Yes. Like about once a month now. So that's good. That's awesome. Um, I've tried to get back into running um, with the women's soccer team I'm on. Yeah. We play once a week, and um, I used to be really into running. And I'm trying to do a routine where I, like, work out before work because that's really good for my mental health, Mm -hmm. too, and, like, stress reduction. Um, Start your day on a good note if you can. Yes. And um, I've been into, um, like, audiobooks more so now I kind of got hooked on those because I can do stuff around the house and also listen to them which is really nice um I always like to go home and I just spend some time snuggling my dog Avery um she's a sweet angel baby and is she's a big uh, snuggle bug she's a greyhound and they are also known as couch surfers (laughs) um they are the laziest dogs that no we do not have to run her Every single day, she just needs about five minutes to do some zoomies in the backyard. And then she's like, all right, I'm good. And I'm done now. <laughs> and I'm going to go lay down. Yep. Bye. <laughs> um, so I will snuggle her on the couch for at least like 30 minutes, I feel like, every day when I get home. And that's like really nice and that's awesome. therapy. <laughs> what a good way to decompress from work. Yeah. yeah. We have a n- little porch outside um, or a like patio area in the back that... Now that it's getting cooler, I will like sit out there sometimes and like just have like a nice drink when I get home or like just wind down a little bit and like look at the plants or, you know, I like to go out with our friends. Uh, We have a lot of great friend group here and go to different places. We can walk to Transfer Co. um, in Raleigh. And then uh, there's so many great places in downtown Raleigh that are are new and opening up and there's a lot of outdoor places so we can be more safe about it. Yes. and yeah, I think right now, I mean, today I went to Home Depot and just bought a ton of uh, fall decor for yes. the porch. <laughs> Y'all, Allie, literally she comes over here and I open the door to let her in and she has a pumpkin and two of those fun shaped gourds. And she goes, I brought these for you. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, you're speaking my love language. You brought me <laughs> items for fall. Yes. I love it. Yes. 
You can never have too many pumpkins. I'm so basic when it comes to fall. It's not even same. Funny. Very yeah. basic. So and decorating then, for fall. That's your thing right now. I'm so happy. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I have a lot of house plants too. <gasps> yes. I mean, I see you do too. So just kind of like keeping an eye on those, taking care of those, making sure they're not dying and <laughs> keeping <laughs> them alive. It's a good thing to like keep your mind on. You're like, I'll take care of the plants and I'll worry about everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have a Peloton bike too, um, which is great is great i just gotta be more consistent with it i've kind of gotten out of a routine with it and alan's like do you use that anymore because it's um it's expensive and if you're not using it um we're gonna cancel it i'm like no don't cancel it please, i love no, it one please. more chance please no I, i'll do better i'll do better <laughs> i promise so i would think too with it, it being fall entering to winter i almost said spring that you'll be more likely to use it inside now yes. yes that's why i'm like do not take away my peloton like, give me one more season yeah. of winter and then we can talk about it yeah yep. yeah nope <laughs> so i asked you this on the form to prepare what is your mantra that you want to leave this audience with leave us a message of what you choose to live by yeah um i am working on having more self-love and compassion one thing that's just i always need to remind myself and can kind of say to myself sometimes is you are enough and just everyone knowing you that you are enough yes you are enough yes. it's like a song out of it <laughs> exactly we can have a cheer yes <laughs> um and then this is something i feel like i've kind of just like said to myself throughout life like when i'm kind of doubting things or like should i do that or like i don't know like just be like you only live once like seize the moment and just do it even if it's out of your comfort zone like this podcast was like out of my comfort zone but i was like i need to do it i want to do it hell so, yeah hell yeah. yeah yeah and i will say like just i've been an avid listener since day one because oh, this you. is so badass that you have a podcast <laughs> <laughs> i told all my coworkers about it thank you <laughs> yeah um and I was just really inspired by hearing everyone's stories. And I was like, I, I think I have something to share and I want to go on there. And you absolutely do. Everybody does. Maybe that like, is the number yeah. one thing I get from people who I'm like, hey, I think you'd be great. Would you like to be on? They're like, eh, I don't have anything I talk about. And I'm like, are you alive? Because you definitely do. Yeah, I'd be, I wouldn't have asked you if I didn't think you had anything to talk about. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'm so glad you did come on here. And thank you for being a loyal listener. You're one of the ones from day one that I think has been a huge supporter of of us doing this. And we're so glad that you decided that you wanted to be on and jump out of your comfort zone. Yes. Yes. It's it been makes a great me, experience. <laughs> good. We're all glad to hear that. It makes me think about y'all. Uh, we just went to Puerto Rico. That Puerto was something Rico. when we were on the break between seasons. That's something we did. There was a group of us that went. Allie was one of the uh, friends that was with us on this trip and we hiked in the rainforest in Puerto Rico and you had to jump you didn't have to part of the tour was yeah. you could jump off oh, this yeah. cliff into what do you want to call it like a <laughs> reservoir like water yeah. right yeah this little area of water and you go up there and I am I usually don't have a fear of heights I'm fine with hiking and climbing and i've gone to chicago and done you know the glass lookout over the oh gosh i can't do that yeah you know those things don't bother me <laughs> very much but i got up to that top of that little and it's not that tall it's like what 30 stories or was, something yeah at least like 20 feet yeah it wasn't awful it's not the tallest no. thing i've ever seen and i got up there and i remember i was one of the last ones to jump off and y'all were all down Kinda there pressure too, waiting yeah. for me and i was like i don't know that i can do it and y'all were like just do it and so, like you said, you only live once. Because yeah. I almost didn't do it. I was like, no, nah, no, nah, I, I don't, I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad I did it. 
Yeah. And then I thought I had a brain eating amoeba for like two days, but I didn't, thankfully. Yeah. So we're good. good thing. Yeah. See, You're still anxiety. here with us. It comes, it comes full <laughs> circle. Allie, thank you so much for one, being on this podcast, but two, more importantly, for being the person that you are, being in healthcare, giving the love and care that you do to the patients that you see. And like you said, continuing to find a way to love yourself in a world that is so damn determined to make you not like yourself. Yes. Thank you. That really means a lot. Don't make me cry. (laughs) That's my job. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. And I am so glad to have had you on. Yes, it's been a pleasure. Thank Thank you. you. Love you. Love you. (laughs) Thank you for listening to I've Been Better. I'm your host, Susan Youngstead. Please be sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts. And follow us on social media at I've Been Better dot pod.